Hello and welcome to Series 2 of Design Your Legacy, a podcast where I speak to inspiring women about life, legacy and jewellery. I'm Rosanna, your host and the founder of Rosanna Croft Jewellery, a bespoke fine jewellery company. My first guest is jewellery journalist Rachel Taylor, a woman who knew her career path from school age. She built from scratch one of the most read jewellery magazines before choosing freedom with freelance journalism. She now writes for the likes of the Financial Times and Rappaport. Rachel's working on a major passion project, The Jewellery Cut. Hear how her and the Jewellery Cut team are affecting hundreds of lives, including my own. And what does jewellery mean to a jewellery journalist? Memories and empowerment. I hope you absolutely love this fascinating episode as much as I do. Hi, Rachel. Firstly, let me say thank you so much for being a guest on the second series of Design Your Legacy. I'm absolutely thrilled to have you on, so welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Fabulous. That's what I like to hear. So by way of introduction, please, can you explain to our listeners what your current roles in life are and why are they important to you? Uh, So I am a journalist, but I specialise in jewellery, which people tend to think is a bit of a strange job but there's um there's a few of us who specialize in this I've been doing that for about 10 years um so I write for lots of different magazines and newspapers sort of around the world about jewelry um and the other project that I have is called the jewelry cut which is my own website so again editorial website but we also do well we did before the pandemic do live events that focus on contemporary design and independent makers which we usually do during London Fashion Week but we've had to put the brakes on that a little bit for now. Oh no it's such a shame it's such a shame I've got um I've got a little story about uh, your event last year that I'll I'll share later on in the later on in the podcast but um I actually read your article this weekend in the FT um about neon jewellery which is I mean you've inspired me to go (laughs) right today I don't do neon but um I thought wear a bit of colour that must have been a fun piece to write you know it was great I think we've seen colour and jewellery really kind of picking up in the last sort of few years actually just sort of slowly slowly I mean even maybe sort of I don't know you know six years ago just with coloured gemstones becoming more popular and then enamels coming in and it's just got steadily wilder in terms of colour and now the story that you're referring to is about neon enamels which um a friend of mine, Ruby, who's the jewelry buyer at Liberty, she she personally like she loves neon and she describes it as a neutral because she said it's so crazy that it's never ever going to match with anything. Therefore, like by default, it matches with everything, which I thought was like a really cool way to describe it. But yeah, it was nice to do that story. And I think as well at this time, when people are just looking for a bit of fun and maybe something uplifting and a bit of color therapy, I think it's just it's like lots of trends during the pandemic it just seems to have like sort of sped it up our kind of need and desire for colour yeah yeah, it was good fun I yeah I can completely see that and I think I I did a mass class actually last week on um, making yourself feel better throughout lockdown with the jewellery that you wear and I think that that is really important to wear colours that cheer you up so I think it we've all had to adapt especially when you're on this tiny little screen on zoom and how do you get your personality across and if you're a fun bold person go neon all the way yeah I think even just for yourself I think it's you know 
we absolutely if we're if you're in lockdown and you're not going anywhere you don't need to dress up you don't need to do any of those things mm-hmm. but actually just taking the time to I don't know put on a bright pair of earrings or it doesn't even necessarily need to be colored just actually putting on any jewelry I think just really sort of lifts the way you feel and can change sort of the way that you approach the day I think it's it's kind of a valuable thing to keep doing most definitely I uh, liken it to brushing your hair putting on some makeup and actually getting out of your pajamas (laughs) it makes you feel so much better um so can you briefly tell us about how you got to where you are today then so you've been a journalist for 10 years or in the specializing in jewelry for 10 yeah. years yeah I've been yeah I've always I've always been a journalist actually I'm, I'm kind of one of those strange people who decided really early what I wanted to do so I was I wrote for the school newspaper at school <laughs> um yeah and then when I went to university I studied journalism and I was also the editor of the university magazine there and then I moved to London. I'm originally from Aberdeen, Scotland, but I moved down to London because there was obviously kind of the place to be for journalism jobs. Uh, the first job I ever got was on a magazine called Retail Week, which is a business magazine that looks at all kinds of retail from, I don't know, Asda through to John Lewis, all that kind of stuff. Um, it was really fascinating. And it was just before the financial crash. So it was when we had, you know, we had a huge team of people. It was really nice. Um, and they were just like a great bunch and really sort of, I don't know, really generous in terms of sort of teaching me well, coming in as sort of a newbie. But when I was working for that publisher within the same group, there was a magazine called Retail Jeweler, which is a business magazine specifically for watch and jewelry retailers. And it was just kind of a, a job came up there and I went for it and got it. And that was kind of my first introduction to the world of jewellery um yeah and from there I kind of worked there for actually I think I worked there for less than a year because I as I say it was kind of financial crash time and they were making huge redundancies so I kind of really got into it but after about a year um my job just disappeared uh which I was really upset about but I think you know fate steps in sometimes and when that happened I got a call from another publisher who were just about to, uh, called ITP, they're based out in the Middle East, but they were coming back to, they were a British company, they are coming back to the UK and they wanted to start with a jewellery magazine. For what reason, I still, I'm not sure why they chose that, but it just, it was serendipitous. You know, I was out of a job, they came and found me and asked if I'd like to launch a new magazine, which I did, which is called Professional Jeweller. So again, a business magazine for jewellery. And yeah, just kind of rolled from there. I launched a watch magazine. Um, called Watch Pro. I stayed there for about five years. But once I had my second child, I just think that I needed a bit more flexibility in my life. So I decided to go freelance. So still specializing in jewelry, occasionally watches as well. Um, But yeah, and and that's been it's been a really great decision for me to actually do that and have that kind of more flexible approach to life. Yeah. And those yeah, the kind of final project has been the jewelry cut, which we launched nearly three years ago, I think now. Um, which was, yeah, again, I didn't really know what I've been doing with that, to be honest. I'm still not sure. It just keeps evolving and changing all the time. But it's I do it in partnership with um, a friend of mine called Andrew Martinique, and we actually used to work at Professional Jeweler Magazine together. Wow. Um, he always did the sales side. I did the editorial. And he always wanted to do something together. And we kind of talked about it, talked about it. But, you know, it's kind of like one of those pub conversations where, yeah, yeah. you know, 
you have a few glasses of wine, you're going to change the world and it's going to be amazing. And then we never did it. Um, but he just kept pushing me. And I think at one point he just sort of, he'd left as well, actually. And he was kind of working on his own for different brands. And he just kept bugging me and bugging me and bugging me. And eventually I, I gave in. And yeah, so we just started on this. Originally, it was going to be an event we did once a year. We were going to make a book um, kind of celebrating like the year of jewellery. But it's just sort of kept rolling and evolving into what it is now. So he says, I'm not allowed to call it my hobby because that's kind of how I describe it because it's sort of like a thing on the side he says I'm not allowed to call it that but I like to say it's, it's a bit of a hobby that we started together that's just kind of got wildly out of control in a really good way I was going to say I mean if it started as a hobby it's grown arms and legs and extra heads I mean it's like what you've both created is fantastic um for everybody in the industry I think but I think that's um and professional jeweler as well is probably the most read magazine now so I mean hats off to you but then if we talk about any significant moments in your career that have kind of um, led you to where you are I guess children you mentioned having your second child would they would they be one yeah I think that was I think that was massively influential for me because actually the time that I was at retail jeweler and lost my job I found out I was pregnant also a couple of weeks later um and I was yeah I was only yeah I'd only just turned 25 so I was relatively young and kind of unemployed and my now husband you know we'd only been together for three months so it was all a bit kind of a precarious situation but we just kind of decided to go for it and then actually when uh my my boss or would be come my boss Rob Corder who is the director of um ITP which publishes professional jeweler he approached me about the job and I just had to I had to fess up really and I hadn't even told any of my friends yet but I really really wanted the job because I just thought it was such a cool project I mean so rarely do you get I mean he was kind of gave me a blank slate and just said I want a jewelry magazine do what you like (laughs) and it was just so um it was great but I kind of had to tell him about it and he was like yeah that's fine you know we'll, we'll sort it out later which was like an unbelievable again I don't know why he made that decision but it worked out really well um but I think it just made me like absolutely laser focused so I had a very short time to launch the magazine while you know growing a baby at the same time and yeah I think it just made me incredibly focused and actually after I had you know I had my son Oscar um it just kind of kept me focused as well because you know I always had like nursery pickups to do so I only ever had a certain amount of time at my desk and I just you know there's no kind of you know you don't you can't just stay late one night if you want to you know because you can't be bothered in the morning to or you're having a slow day like there's no option for that so it just really absolutely focused me to be like this is what I need to get done I'm going to do it in this time and just push me um and then when I had my second son, Louis, I think it kind of had the opposite effect, actually. I think I'd spent, you know, five years or so just absolutely working crazy hours and really pushing myself. And when I had him, I really wanted to experience like the other side of motherhood, because when I had Oscar, one of the one of the sort of agreements of getting that job was that I would only take three months off. Yeah. Which at the time, I didn't know anything about kids or how I would feel. And I was like, yeah, that seems absolutely fine, which... <laughs> You know, I think at the end of those three months, I was like, oh, God, I don't want to leave this tiny baby with strangers all day. Oh. Um, so when it came to having Louie, I really just wanted to take a full maternity leave, you know, really kind of have that sort of baby time that I didn't get first time round. 
Um, although it didn't really work out that way because actually I'm not very good at, you know, just not doing anything. And actually while I was on maternity leave, there's a buying group for the jewelry industry called the Company of Master Jewelers. Um, mm. They have a, they have their own magazine and it just so happened. I, I think the editor of that was going on maternity leave herself and they got in touch with me and said, look, could you, could you do this just for a year? Um, and by that point, you know, I think I've been on maternity leave for about, you know, three or four months and was getting a little bit bored and was like yeah great so I thought I would just test kind of test the waters freelance life in that way while I knew I still had a job I could go back to but by the end of that year out of the office I had like a steady flow of work that I knew even if it just in my mind I was like even if it just buys me another year where I can be quite flexible and spend time with the kids I'm gonna go for it but it's just uh but it's it's just kind of grown and grown and I've you know, I've been freelancing now for six years, I think. And I keep waiting for the work to dry up one day. It but it, yeah, so luckily. <laughs> Which is brilliant. I, I think obviously freelance has given you freedom in many different aspects, freedom to be more flexible with um, and look after your children and bring them up, but also freedom with what you write and what mm. you write about and who you write for. So that must be really, that, that must be quite, um, I don't know, empowering, I guess. Yeah, I think it's great. I mean, to some extent, I maybe have less freedom, actually, than I think people think okay. in terms of being freelance. Because before, when, when you're the editor of a magazine, you set the tone, you decide what you're going to cover, you decide all the stories that you're going to publish but when you are working as a freelance journalist for other editors they're making those decisions so it kind of works I think people always have questions about how you know how it works do people kind of tell me what to do do I go to them and it's a bit of a mix it depends which editor it is that I'm dealing with but often I'll go with like a list of ideas and they'll pick one that they like or Mm. it works the other way where they'll have decided what they want and they'll just come to me and say can you go and interview this person can you write this so in a way, I think it's actually less freedom, but I suppose I do get that freedom through the jewellery cut. And that's something, I, I mean, I would have never launched my own business, I don't think, if I hadn't, you know, taken that extended maternity leave and gone freelance. That just wouldn't have happened because when you're working with someone else, you know, that seems like a really nice fantasy. But do you actually have time when you're sort of really focused on, you know, working within someone else's business? Probably not. No, no. Lots of things to kind of add up, isn't there? But I mean, it seems like lots of synchronicities have happened in your journey, which I think is quite magical to hear. So moving on to legacy then, um, obviously we talk about your life, your legacy and your jewellery on this podcast, but I like to do a little bit of thinking about how I, I perceive I guess your legacy um and your legacy is going to be forever found in print in the articles that you've written um have you ever kind of thought of that that like you're going to be documented throughout history um yeah I suppose I do um and then I wonder I think but you know it's I don't know I I do because I know that is the thing but also I do think you know it's it's not Jewel, you know, as much as I love jewelry and I do love jewelry, 
it's not necessarily front page breaking news I don't imagine you know anything (laughs) yeah um I don't think it's gonna you know go down in the history books but if you know if we still have the if the internet's still a thing in 100 years yeah I'll definitely be googleable so I mean that's quite cool (laughs) if google is still a thing probably not who knows um yeah no that is cool um I do like that and then I have yeah I have this sort of big physical archive of magazines and papers which my husband always wants me to throw out but um yeah they're just throw that out I know I just I don't know he he can never understand why I want to keep them and obviously it just keeps getting bigger and bigger every year but and I I might never look at them ever again but I, I kind of like the idea that maybe one day I don't know when I'm old I might want to go back and look at you know what jewelry stories I was writing in I don't know 2010 or whatever yeah hey we all love to reminisce so I think I think it's so important to keep stuff like this but I'm massively sentimental and nostalgic and romantic and not everybody is (laughs) so so what does legacy mean to you then for me I suppose it's kind of making a mark um and as you say kind of either being remembered but maybe even just changing the way things are done in the future um and I think I do think when I kind of look back it's kind of interesting because I think actually doing the podcast with you has made me sort of think back in a way that maybe you don't normally stop do you and think about these things you're kind of always moving on to the next thing um but it's it's been quite interesting and again not like huge earth-shattering ways but I look now and, you know, when, when I first started Professional Jewelry Magazine, there wasn't really any, it wasn't really a big focus on online news for jewellery at all. And I remember I wanted to do a, a daily newsletter. And at the time, everyone thought that was absolutely insane. No one's going to read it. There's not going to be enough stuff to write about. Why are you doing this? But I, like, I kind of had a vision for what I wanted to do and I pushed on and did it. And now if you kind of look, there's, I don't know, like you know, three or four magazines all doing within jewellery kind of all doing that exact thing um and I think that's quite interesting and I wonder I mean you know quite possibly that would have happened anyway but I do kind of wonder you know did that little decision change maybe the way that we now have access to loads of really interesting jewellery stories online um and I wonder I suppose you could say is that kind of you know a little bit of a, a legacy in a way and for me I think my overarching desire in terms of legacy again within the jewelry world is I just really wanted to kind of make it accessible and open to everyone I think yeah that's kind of flown subconsciously or consciously I think it kind of flows through everything that I've done so when we launched professional jewelry that was you know a free circulation magazine so nobody had to pay for it everybody could get it free to access online as well but I also made sure that we didn't just focus on I don't know big wholesale brands that had money to spend on advertising we always had a focus on independent makers we didn't just focus on London or England we really made like an effort to focus like right across the country um and that's kind of one side of it that I've always really wanted to make it more accessible in terms of who I write about I don't just want to write about Cartier and Van Cleef and you know as as much as they're fun and they have great collections and yeah. they're good to write about I think actually the really interesting stories for me lie in the people who aren't getting written about and it's not because they're not doing great things it's just because they don't have budgets to be advertisers therefore so they're not getting on editors desks they don't have the contacts and it's been a real passion for me to kind of help people like that and through the jewelry cut that's really what we focus on as well as kind of 
exposing this world of, I don't know, amazing, wonderful people who I know who are all making great jewellery, who just don't necessarily get the exposure that they deserve. And on the flip side of that, it's actually introducing consumers to this amazing world that I've been so lucky to be part of. Um, And so they know that there's not, you know, there's not just Tiffany or H. Samuel. There's this Mm. whole world in between that is actually vastly more interesting. Um, It's just about kind of shining a light on it. So, yeah, for me, if there was going to be sort of a big legacy, that's really what I would like to kind of contribute is just kind of, I don't know, exposing a bit more of the joy world and just making it less, less intimidating and you know, just showing it for the amazing craft and also brilliant people who are in it. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's fantastic. Um, and then, so speaking of the jewellery cut then, um, <laughs> I so I came to the show last year, I came down on the train and to, I spent the full day, it was such a long day, <laughs> and I was absolutely wiped out by the end of it because... I attended every talk that you that you put Whoa. on last year. Um, <laughs> I put I, I attended every talk. In fact, I think I had to miss Alex Munro's. Um, but from start that was to right finish, at the end of the day. Yeah, because <laughs> um, it took me a few hours to get home. So, uh, but I was absolutely in awe from every talk for so many different reasons. From Carol Walton to you know learning about Pariba tourmalines. Um, and I took so much from every single, um, I guess, you know, lecture or conversation. And interestingly, the panel you had about redesign, because that's mm. my specialty and that's what I do. And I absolutely loved that. Um, and I and I thought about that and how that affected me and how inspired I was by that. And then I don't know how many people attended, but you how many other people would have been inspired by that um and so not only I guess are you kind of working on your own legacy in this but you're also affecting lots of other people's legacy as well like the people who you help who um have you do you have a bursary as well that you offer oh yeah yeah Yeah. so So, yeah we always give away a free place Mm -hmm. yeah which is which is massive for the people that don't have the budget so not only is the jewelry cut you know it's kind of you I guess we all have a legacy that we like to think we want to leave behind that's why we do what we do um not I know we don't consciously think about it every day um unless you're me and have a podcast about it <laughs> um, but I think um it, it, our legacies also impact so many other people's as well so I I just I remember how I felt leaving that and you know it's a shame that we kind of then went into lockdown because I would have acted on it <laughs> yeah but I, I think that's I think that's so lovely to hear and it's really nice because I didn't know that story until you've just told me that so I had no idea that you felt that way and you walked away from it and so it's kind of it, it's hard for me because sometimes I do and I, I do have these amazing conversations with people who are just like this has completely changed my life and which is yeah really great I think we've got um yeah there's one one of the designers who's she's called Akansha Sethi and she's done every single show that we've ever put on she's always been there uh she always just has a really good time but she said she's like it's shaped it kind of we launched sort of at the same time really as she launched her brand yeah and she always says I wouldn't she's like I wouldn't be where I am without it She's like, I've met, you know, because we we kind of invite, as well as opening it up to people just to come and shop, we like actively invite like buyers from big stores and we invite 
other journalists and she's met so she's met so many people but also sold her jewelry and I think we managed through a connection we sort of got her in the like New York Times so she suddenly was selling jewelry in uh, America and it's just for her I don't know she always she's always quite vocal about the fact that it's just completely transformed her life and that's to me that's amazing because I think I'm just focused on what I'm doing and you know that's what I really would love to happen for everybody um but I I think yeah I don't know for me it's just I doing the job I do I'm always speaking to people always meeting people but I also know that I love connecting people Mm. you know I know that I could be speaking to I don't know like the jewelry buyer at like Harrods um and then I could go and have coffee with a really sort of like young emerging designer and I know she would like love to have met the buyer at Harrods you know but it's you know we're never going to happen and for me just if I can create an event where I don't know say that buyer from Harrods comes and does a talk and then afterwards they can have a chat and then that's that connection made and I don't know for me it's just like what can I do in terms of helping people to get together um yeah and that's why that's what I really love doing is just kind of making those connections and then it's up to it's up to people to do you know like you came to the talk it's up to you what you then go away and do with it absolutely but it's just create I don't know creating opportunities same with a bursary kind of just creating those opportunities and then watching people like capitalize on them I don't know it gives me like a real a real thrill yeah it's a bit like so maybe you you can stop calling it your hobby and it's more (laughs) of a passion project isn't it it's that yeah yeah definitely (laughs) Andrew might be pleased with that (laughs) yeah I think he'd probably prefer a passion project yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh amazing so fabulous then I believe that we carry our legacy in our jewellery as well as in the things that we do every day. Um, I think it's how people remember us, you know, if we do wear the, if your grandma wore the bright neon enameled earrings, we would always remember that um, about her. And I think that that then is how we remember the effect people had on our lives. Um, Can you talk to me about a special piece of jewellery that you own? Yeah, I've got... um... A teen, it's a teeny tiny necklace. Uh, it's by a designer called Fraser Hamilton. And it's just a kind of, it's a gold. He's hand carved this tiny little hand in gold. And it's clutching a heart-shaped ruby. Um, and I, yeah, I I mean, it's, the downside of my job is that I see a lot of amazing jewellery all the time. And sadly. What a downside. <laughs> yeah, but. I'd kind of seen this for ages and it's funny it just really really stuck with me and I kind of got quite obsessed with it but I just I wasn't I wasn't at the stage where I felt I could spend that kind of money on a piece of jewellery and so I'm always quite cautious of stuff like that and but to my total surprise um it was actually when we did we did a the jewellery cut live at the hot in Hotel in Holborn it was kind of like we sort of the first one we did was in partnership with someone else but this was like really the first show that we did completely on our own like Andrew and I and my husband kind of said to me during the show he's like I'll come into the storeroom I've got something to show you and I was like okay cool and I went through and he pulled out a mug that he'd stolen from somewhere and was (laughs) like I'm gonna give this to Andrew as a memento today I was like oh great good for you <laughs> and he's like oh I got you something as well and I was like oh nice hey, what have I got a coaster a mug. <laughs> yeah um and then he just pulled out yeah he pulled out this box and oh it was that Fraser Hamilton 
necklace and I think you know he and Andrew had sort of conspired a little bit on this because I think Andrew knew that I loved it so much and I think he'd wanted to get me something to sort of just commemorate the fact that you know Andrew and I managed to pull off <laughs> this show and it's been a success network and yeah and it was just I don't know it was kind of um for me it was like the first I would say the first piece of like fine jewelry that I'd really really coveted like really from like an artistic point of view and I kind of emotionally connected with it um but you know kind of wrote it off didn't think I was ever gonna have it so it kind of represents that some I don't know just something that I really loved and I really wanted not something that I was I mean I was given it but not something you know that maybe you like but you know I kind of really I really craved that story but also to get that from him as a surprise and to put this into context like my husband Ollie you know I don't really get birthday presents or Christmas <laughs> completely regularly I will say so actually for him to, you know it's he's, he's not kind of a present guy but for him to kind of just pull this out as a complete surprise yeah I don't know it just makes me kind of think about achievement sort of yeah. from a professional sense but also just it's a really nice reminder of that time that he did this really nice surprise for me so yeah I don't know and oh. I just love the way it looks I think it's a really cool concept that's amazing. I love that. That's such a nice story. Um, and that's what's so special about jewellery at the end of the day. I mean, it's the stories that we carry with it. It's the people that it connects us to and the memories and um, and the achievement. I'm, I'm big on jewellery for achievement, um, but I guess that's because I make my own. <laughs> but <laughs> I think the stories and the people that jewellery connects us to is so important another reason why we should wear jewellery every day I think yeah um and I hope that you wear that necklace every day and not just for special occasions um have you, very ever, <laughs> have you ever had a piece of jewellery handed down to you like a family heirloom type or yeah quite recently actually um so yeah my grandmother died uh sorry a year or so ago yeah um and but we were really close like we were kind of I don't know I want to say it sounds really cheesy but you know we were best friends as well you know despite a massive age gap and actually she spent the last few years of her life living in New Zealand um but we were just really really close really tight um I don't know we just really got each other and actually when she died she left me a few pieces of her jewelry and I'm gonna say a lot of it was tapped and I would say yeah. that to her face um, <laughs> but she left a gold bracelet to me and I've been looking at it and it's not you know it's not it's not necessarily my style I don't even I haven't really been wearing it at all but I just like to go in there and yeah like you know just look at him put it on sometimes so yeah so that's quite a bit of a new, new yeah. piece that I have. yeah and and even if those jewelry uh, those those jewelries those pieces of jewelry are perceived as tat um or costume jewelry it's still special to us you know yeah. whether it is whether it is a gold bracelet or whether it's a pair of you know paste pearl earrings it still connects us and reminds us of those special people um, and yeah. it's funny because I have a similar relationship with my grandma um we get on like a house on fire and, and yeah she's funny and she's um labeled all uh, if I've ever expressed an interest in a piece of jewelry she'll say oh go and put your name on it <laughs> <laughs> um so 
you're obviously in the jewellery industry, but have you ever had um, a piece of jewellery designed for you or remodelled? Um, yeah, I've, well, I have my engagement ring and wedding rings designed for me. Fabulous. Um, yeah, so by a designer called Leila Abdullahi. She does this amazing, wonderful, colourful jewellery. And I think my engagement ring commission was probably really boring. <laughs> and I did at one point say to her, you don't need to do this if you don't want to. Because I think she kind of, she made these amazing sketches for me and they had... Um, I don't know, like diamonds hanging off and like all this place. Like it was just, it was wild and beautiful and I loved it. But I just had like this really firm vision of what I wanted, um, which is really, um, yeah, it comes from, I've got I've, my ring finger uh, where you'd wear your engagement ring and wedding rings is loads shorter than the one on the other side. Um, I also have like a few missing knuckles, which is a, uh, like apparently some sort of genetic thing but it, it meant that any ring that I put on that finger like the kind of shortness of that finger is like below the knuckle so if you put a ring on it there's not much space there um and everything slants okay so I've been trying on you know all these engagement rings but they would always just you know look like they were at a weird angle yeah, yeah and originally actually I went to see um a jewelry designer called Sean Lean um and I'm Sean Oh, I love John as well. He's so good. And I was chatting to him and I was like, this is the problem. Because I really wanted one of his rings. Mm. Uh, I was like, but I need it. I need you to like twist it so it goes this way. And he was like, it's not going to work. So we kind of talked about it back and forth for a bit. And he's like, oh, so I, I don't know, kind of went away and thought about it. But what I actually kind of opted for with Layla is I just, I, I got her to, it's kind of, it's almost like an, an S shape, I would say the ring is. So it's not a straight band. It's like an S shape and it kind of curves and cups the diamond at the center but what it means is that so it's kind of wavy and I've got a, a wedding band with diamonds that kind of waves over the top of it it kind of I don't know she she said she, it reminded her of a bit of kind of you know one of those evil eyes in a way like oh, protective yeah. amulet type thing nice. um but what it means is it just always looks it doesn't look wonky um, just good. because of that, because of that curve and that wave. So even though I've got a wonky finger, the ring always looks <laughs> like it, looks like sick. it should. Yeah. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Um, okay then. Um, so, what do you think makes jewelry special? Oh, I think it goes back to what you were saying about memories. Because I think if you have a piece passed down, it reminds you of that person. If it's something you've commissioned yourself then you're always going to have that memory of why you did it. And, you know, I, I think actually commissioning a piece of jewellery is incredibly empowering as well. Mm. Um, or, you know, if it's a gift, then it reminds you of that person or that special moment. I think it's just, it's full of memories. Um, I think that's really important. But also, from a purely aesthetic point of view, um, as we were talking earlier, it just, it just makes you feel great. I think yeah. just putting on jewellery just absolutely, A, transforms an outfit in terms of how it looks, but also transforms you. I think you carry yourself a bit differently when you're wearing jewellery, mm-hmm. um, whether that's, I don't know, loads of rings or a big pair of earrings. Um, I think it's completely transformative. You can, you know, I, I always think it's great that you can just have a really simple outfit, like, you know, a pair of jeans and a t-shirt, and then you can absolutely feel glamorous 10 seconds later by suddenly having all this jewellery on with it. Um, so, yeah, I think it's kind of got instant transformative powers. 
Yeah, and I would completely agree with you. I um, I did a on a small scale of this. I did an Instagram story this morning, and then I looked at the camera and I thought, no wonder I feel funny. I've not got any earrings in. Um, and I was like, oh, I feel you know, I feel, don't feel don't feel dressed. Yeah, um, but it does. It has such. Um, I, I do think it has an empowering effect on you, definitely. Um, and and with the bespoke. Um, uh, when you have a piece commissioned for you like so um, when we did the interview for meet the maker I spoke about this sapphire ring uh, and I designed that for myself I put myself in my customer's shoes and designed it for myself um, purposely so that I could feel empowered and when I wear it it feel it gives me a connection to strength and to confidence and I think jewelry is special because it's sentimental and it gives us um, a connection to people I I agree and I think that it gives um, it can just make you feel instantly better and more like yourself yeah that that sapphire you've got is amazing as well <laughs> I was really excited when I think I asked you a question during the talk that we did didn't you, with the Goldsmith Centre and they and I was like, oh, you know, did the customer, I can't remember, I probably asked you something really boring, like, did the customer like her or something? You're like, the customer is me. Yeah. Is me. <laughs> I know, and I'm terribly as well uh, making, because I thought I might be quiet this um, uh, kind of this year with the pandemic and stuff, yeah. started making myself a yellow, saf- yellow sapphire <gasps> necklace. I haven't had time to touch it since the beginning, <laughs> since, I, since I first sat down and looked at it, but uh, that's that's piece number two on the way. Um, good. Uh, so my last question for you, Rachel, is what advice can you give people about living a meaningful life and leaving their own legacy? I would say that it's all about passion. I think it doesn't really matter what you do. I think you should just try and kind of put your all into everything that you do and go at it. Uh, I don't know. My my mom used to always say to me, she's like, I don't care what you do in life. You know, if you want to be, uh, I don't know, a, a dustbin collector, as long as you are like the best dustbin collector there is and you get up every day and you like really go for it and push yourself to be really good. It's like, that is enough for me. And I think that's kind of stuck with me. And I, I, I say, I say these kind of things to my kids as well now, but I think it's true. It's just, I think it's just about, really finding what you're passionate about um and really going for it but or even if you're even if you're not passionate about it I always think in my I mean I write about jewelry but I've also written about some really relatively boring subjects but I think anything can be interesting and anyone can be really interesting if you really kind of go at it enthusiastically and sort of do a deep dive into things and I think it's the same with life I think yeah just anything that you do I think really kind of go at it with everything that you've got oh, I love that that's amazing so I lied as well and I said that was the last question but I, have, <laughs> I have one more and it would be can you give any advice to um specifically to emerging designers within the jewelry industry oh I would say to put yourself out there as much as you can and I think that's something that's much easier said than done because I know mm. you're a designer and you're kind of in your own head and you just love designing you just want to make at the end of the day I think people find it quite difficult to then shout about themselves yeah uh, in order to get attention but I would say if you can just kind of leave that self-doubt behind and I know it probably feels cringy but actually 
go out and talk about your work, always wear your work wherever you go, have these conversations because the people who are really successful, that's what they do. You know, they yeah. talk about it all the time and it can feel like, oh, I don't want to talk about myself, but actually people want you to. That's yeah. that's what they want to hear about. And and I would say do things like, you know, when you said you came to the Jewelry Cut Live and went to all the talks, also kind of throw yourself into that world. You know, I just think connections, everything and meeting people. Um, go to as many events as you can go to talks meet people you just you don't know what opportunities are going to come from that and I think it's hugely important um yeah I, I know it can be much more tempting just to stay in your <laughs> stay in your studio or your workshop and kind of just focus on making the best jewelry in the world but actually if nobody knows about it yeah. then that's it's you know that's going to be a hobby that's not going to be a job so you yeah. really need to put yourself out there that is really valuable advice, I think, and something that I can completely second. The the you just never know who's in the room. So mm-hmm. go networking and making connections and building relationships with people will take you a long way. And getting yourself out there. I remember when I was first asked to, uh, or not asked, I was encouraged to do an a Facebook Live back when it became a big thing and I was absolutely petrified I didn't want to talk about myself I didn't want to put my face or my voice on Facebook um where everyone could see me but it really does make a massive difference because the more you talk about you the more people get to know you the more people the more people fall in love with your story and that's what people buy into so I think that's really valuable advice thank you very much So thank you so much for coming on the um, Design Your Legacy podcast. This has been fantastic. And I just know that all of our listeners are going to get so much value from this. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I was really, really pleased to be asked. (laughs) Amazing. I love hearing how women have built successful careers. And I love to learn of the synchronicities that led them to the path that they are on today. Rachel's is such an inspiring story because of her passion, not only to her industry, but also to the work, in the work that she does to help people. When I sat down to plan series two, I knew Rachel would be a fabulous guest to speak about these topics with, and hearing her stories of jewellery and the connection it gives her, not only to those she loves, but also to the memories of her achievement, tells me that I was 100% right. She's right when she says jewellery has the power to make us feel amazing. I'm a huge believer in this and how jewellery can affect our mood. If you'd like to learn more about designing a magical piece of jewellery for yourself or redesigning something so you can enjoy wearing it and the good feels it can give you, then please visit my website to download my catalogue. The links are in the show notes, as are the links to where you can find the wonderful Rachel Taylor and her work. Rachel's parting advice to us all was anything that you do, do it with passion. And for the jewellers and designers among us, get yourself visible. As soon as people learn about what you do, and they will fall in love with you and fall in love with what you do. So don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next week for another inspiring conversation about life, legacy and jewellery.